You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Uh, some of you know I'm training for a marathon and, and uh, put the earbuds in. And uh, I was listening to a podcast. The theme was the art of preaching. And so it's, I'm running along and it's talking about techniques and delivery and uh, you know, the difference between topical messages and expository messages. And I'm running along and uh, a word jumped out at me. I don't even know who the guest was on the, bod- on the podcast, uh, but the word jumped out and I came home and I wrote it down and then I wrote it in ev- on every single page of my notes. For, uh, that I was studying through uh, later that day, and I wrote it on the top of every page, and the word was application. While I'm running along, I heard this guy say that 70% of a message these days should be application. And I was like, wow, that's a lot. And then I was thinking, yikes, I don't think we even come close on a normal Sunday morning in regards to that. And, uh, and so again, I wrote on, my, on every page, and so I've been thinking that and, uh, and saying, God, we want to apply your word. We want to bring that in a powerful way. And uh, it brought me back to our theme in the book of Acts that we've been studying, the idea that we live on purpose, right? And we're studying uh, Paul and the other apostles. They're living it. They're doing it. They're doing the work, right? And they are turning the world upside down. They are. They're just, they're, 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 they're knocking it out of the park. They are making wakes wherever they go. In fact, in the uh, scripture that we're going to study today, Acts 17, verse 6, says, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And so people recognize it. They're saying, man, these, these guys, these apostles, uh, the apostle Paul and the others, they are making a wake. In Acts chapter 21, verses 27 and then, 20, and then in 30, it says that they stirred up the whole crowd. And the whole city was aroused. And I was thinking, man, the, the God was really, really using these guys to live on purpose. Uh, Acts 22, verse 22, you talk about living on purpose and really making a difference. And um, they, uh, this is talking about the Apostle Paul. It says the crowd listened to Paul. Until he said this, and then they raised their voices and shouted, rid him, of, uh, rid the earth of him. He is not fit to live. He was ruffling some feathers. He was doing the work. And then in Acts 24, verse 5, it says, we found that this man, that's the Apostle Paul, to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world, not just in his family, not just in a community, all over the world, Paul was making a difference. And what's great, I love one commentator mentioned, uh, as I was reading this week, that Paul made Christianity the issue for the entire world. And you think about it, you think about it, he turned the world upside down. He was living on purpose. He was eating and breathing. Every movie made was was. Uh, for the gospel's sake. And man, what a great example for us. How many of have admired the Apostle Paul over the years, you know, as you study? You're like, man, uh, man, what a great thing. He was doing it. He was, he, was, he was getting after it. And then I had this kind of this sad thought, the reality 
kind of sit in as I was just thinking about some of these things. And what I want to share is not easy, but it's, I think it's the truth that there are some Christians that if Paul's here and making a difference, some Christians have no effect or little effect on their world. And when I say on their world, I'm talking about on their families, on their schools, if you're a student, on their co-workers, on their company. And today, I want to move the needle from no effect or little effect to more effect, to being effective, to being fruitful, uh, to changing the world. And I really believe that we can change and we can move the needle today from our perspective and in God's presence. Today, we're going to study Paul's work in two cities, uh, Thessalonica and then Berea. And we want to kind of dig in and look at this, say, what can we see from this? What can we learn? What can we apply, right, especially today? And uh, just a quick note, next week we're going to look at the city of uh, Antioch, and uh, you're not going to want to miss that. Um, I've already enlisted some help from the staff and uh, continue to, to do that uh, as we bring uh, Acts. We'll finish up Acts 17 next week. But for, for now, turn with me to Acts chapter 17, and I'm going to read through the first uh, 15 verses here just to kind of set our hearts together. This is what we're, uh, we're going to be studying today. All right, and a true confession, and I didn't do it in between services. Uh, I, I, I had said when I was studying all week long, I'm like, man, there's a couple words here, uh, some cities that are just hard to uh, pronounce. And I meant to like study those. How do I say those? Put them out phonetically. And I didn't do that. I was going to listen on my Bible app. Like, how does that guy say it? Say it a few times. I didn't. So I'm just going to skip a couple of these words. But anyway, <laughs> all right, let's read. It says, when Paul and his companions had passed through a couple cities, <laughs> right? <laughs> they came to Thessalonica. I know how to say that. Uh, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As, the, as it was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on the third Sabbath day, after three, oh man, I'm just messing this up now all over. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them for, uh, from the scriptures. So he's, he's preaching three weeks in a row, right? Explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and to rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a, number, a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started to riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out, of the crowd, out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason, the house owner, and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men have caused trouble all over the world. They have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are, they are all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. They made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon as it, was night, as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. On arriving there, he went to, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were more noble character than, the, than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul had said was true. As a result, many of them believed and did also a number of prominent Greek women and 
Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica heard that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowd and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then, uh, and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for this great story. These two great cities that you uh, sent Paul and Silas to and Timothy. And Lord, you're sending your spirit right here, right now uh, to meet us. And I pray that over these next few moments, Lord, that you would just capture our hearts and our minds. And Lord, help us to be able to apply your word well. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The question we want to answer today is how do you turn the world upside down? How do you make a difference? How do you really live on purpose? And there are four things we see that we're going to see in these 15 verses. And then we're going to deal with the why behind it all. And so that's kind of where we're tracking. And uh, I, I understand that uh, this, this message may not be for, uh, for everyone. There may be some of you that are really hitting it out of the park and doing a great job. Uh, but for the rest of us, uh, what the idea that we're laying out is that it's possible to live as a Christian with little or no effect, and we want to move the needle to more effective ministry, making a difference, changing the world that we live in. Everyone tracking with me? We want to move the needle in that direction. And I want you to know, I am challenged by this. I've been challenged by this message, and I'll be uh, pretty frank with you as we move through kind of where I'm challenged most. But what will it take to turn the world upside down? The first thing it's going to take it's going to take boldness. It's going to take courage. It's going to take some guts. It's going to take an attitude that says, I'm not backing down. Last week, Acts chapter 16, uh, Paul and Silas, they were flogged. We talked about that, that it would have ripped open their back and where you could almost, you know, a lot of times you could see the inner organs. I mean, it was a bad situation. Uh, in fact, some people would die just from a flogging. And then they get out of prison and they leave Philippi, right? They're actually kicked out of Philippi. And I'm thinking, if I am Paul and Silas, I'm thinking, is there an easier way to do missions? Come on. Like, seriously, this is not going that great. I, and, or if I was in their shoes, I'm thinking, I'm going home. I'm not, I'm not putting up with this abuse anymore. But that wasn't Paul and Silas. It was their conviction that they weren't going back to Jerusalem. They were not going to go back home. They continue their second missionary journey. And I, I put in parentheses in my notes, it was an adventure. I mean, this is a crazy adventure. They go 100 miles to Thessalonica, which is a big city, 200,000 people or more, uh, only second to the city of Corinth. And we could talk about that, but we're not going to. Uh, and then they, from there, they go another 45 to 50 miles to Berea. And uh, that was more of a small town, uh, you know, a much smaller town. And put in my notes here, kind of like Hickville, right? Uh, just a tiny little, tiny little town. But it took boldness for them to keep going. That's what I want you to see. They were, yes, filled with the Holy Spirit, but they were bold with the message. And it seemed like the greater the opposition, the stronger they got. The, the more vocal they got. 
And they were in, under the impression that they were going to have courage or boldness no matter what the cost. And they lived it. Now, how do we apply that to our lives? We look at this and say, you know, where, where, do, we, where do we see this? Well, uh, I really believe this is a word from the Lord. Uh, I think that God put this in my heart that no one, listen, no one will impact their world without boldness. It's just not going to happen without courage, without conviction, without that calling. Bold people are people who make a difference. And in both cities, Paul and Silas, they went straight to the Jewish synagogue. Let's look at it. Verse 2 in Acts chapter 17 says, As it was custom, Paul went to the synagogue. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. He went week after week, went to the place that got him in trouble in, uh, in Philippi, in Macedonia. Verse 10, in Berea, the same idea. It says, on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. They weren't even healed up from the previous beating. They're, they're still healing their wounds, and they're at it again. No break. They're saying, hey, the word of God has to go forward. And you might be thinking, well, that's Paul, that's Silas. Again, we kind of, you know, idolize them as these super apostles, some super Christians. How many, how many have had that thought before? Like, you know, these, I mean, this is the apostle Paul. I mean, he wrote half the uh, New Testament, right? I mean, that's who we're talking about. He didn't, he wasn't afraid, right? Or maybe he was born that way. I don't know. But I was studying a little bit, and it's interesting that Paul when he wrote to the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, he actually asked for prayer so that he would not be fearful. Look what it says. It says, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. That put some humanity on uh, the Apostle Paul. He was just like us. And I'm sure he was afraid. In fact, uh, just a couple, uh, the next chapter, Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10. Now Paul is in Corinth, and we're going to get there uh, in, uh, at, later, at a later date. Um, Paul, I believe, was probably thinking about quitting. And the Holy Spirit showed up. Jesus showed up in a vision and said this, Do not be afraid. He says, keep on speaking. Do not be silent. This is Jesus in a vision. He says, for I am with you and no one is going to attack you or harm you because I have many people in this city. It was a word from the Lord that Paul needed, just like a word from the Lord that we need this morning. But what I want you to see is this was not a cakewalk. It took boldness. You say, where does that boldness come from? It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, back in Acts 1.8, says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witness. You'll be bold, even to the point of dying. Now, we're talking about going from no effect or little effect, moving the needle to being effective, to being a world changer, to be living on purpose. And to be able to do that, number one, it takes boldness. But the second thing we see, it takes a message. It takes some content. Paul and Silas, they had to say something. You cannot be bold without something to say. 
You cannot be afraid to make waves as you go. And Paul and Silas, they certainly were not afraid in that way. They had a message in verse 2 and 3 of Acts 17. It says they were in the synagogue. They, would, they were studying scripture, explaining, proving that the Messiah had to suffer. Um, they, were, they were reasoning. Uh, in verse 11 in Berea, we see the same thing. They received the message, it says. They examined the scripture. Uh, Paul and Silas, they used the word of God. And I just want to say that for us that have unsaved friends or unsaved family members, um, we have got to bring the right message. We can't just always talk about the weather or sports or politics. We need to get into the word of God. Look what Paul says uh, in, to the Thessalonica church. Uh, he says, Jesus is the Messiah. He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't, you know, you know, tell a story that they might get it. He just says it straight up. One commentator I like that I read this week says, you get saved by responding to facts. And Paul and Silas, they laid out the facts. They were looking at the Old Testament and uh, the message penetrated the hearts and the minds of people. Uh, they were going back to Scripture from, the, from Isaiah and other prophets and, and from the Psalms. Paul knew the Word of God. And I think as we look to a- apply that, the idea that it takes a message to be able to change the world, when I ask the question, how well do you know the Word of God? Some of you are thinking, well, I come every Sunday to the Gateway Church and they preach God's word. And yes, we do. And I'm excited about that. that and we're, that's one of the ways we live out our mission. We connect with God. But can I be bold enough to say that that is not enough? With the way that we track through, and mostly we do expository preaching, sometimes we do some series in between, it would take us probably 200 years to get through God's word. It's not fast enough, but we take moment by moment right? <laughs> and I'm just saying. And so we provide tools like soap reading. And I was just looking at this today, a little later, I'll be reading 1 John 1 and 2. And I hope you do the same. And I mentioned first service to, to pick these up. And I think we're out this month, um, but uh, we can get it to you digitally. Or if you want one, uh, we'll get you one. We'll make you another one. And you can get right up to speed. And we encourage you to do that. Not only reading God's word, but then we Talk about soap, where you read God's word, that's the scripture. Observation is the O, where you observe what do we think God's saying in the scripture. Then we want to apply it. That's the application piece. Ask yourself, how can, uh, how can you can apply this to your life right now? And then you make your way, and then you do it right out of prayer. We do that. It takes 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes if you're slow like I am. But I want to encourage you, we need to study the word of God and be applying it to our lives. That's exactly what the Bereans did. Verse uh, 11, they were smart. They were a good example. It says the Bereans, they were more noble of character for they received the message and they examined the scripture every day to see what Paul was saying, if it was true. The Bereans, they searched it out. They went to the Bible. They went, they put it in context and can I be, I want to be so bold to say, be like the Bereans. Get into God's word. You have to study God's word. Don't rely on me for being your only source of God's word. 
or anyone else from this pulpit. You need to know the Bible. You need to know the basics. You need to share your faith if you're going to move the needle to more effective or from little or no effectiveness as a believer. Let's move the needle. And you got to have not only boldness, but you need to have a message. And the third thing you need, and I, don't, I didn't know how to say this in another way, you need converts. It takes people getting saved to change the world. And in both of these cities, the Lord blessed them with converts. Verse 4, it says, Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. In Berea, in verse 12, it says, As a result, many of them believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Listen, people got saved, and you know they were baptized because that's the pattern in the book of Acts. They were saved, they were water baptized. Living on purpose should result in salvations at some point. If you're bold and you share a good message, at some point there will be people that come to know Jesus because of your life. Doesn't that sound good? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. I'll give you that assignment. I read through the book of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians this week. It's really neat how those overlay uh, over uh, Acts 17. Uh, but the gospel message is shared. They make a difference. In verse 8, it says, Their faith became known everywhere. The idea was that they not only put their faith in Christ, in Jesus, but they were able to share that and spread the good news. At some point, our boldness and our message will lead to conversions. You say, well, how do I apply that? Well, let me ask you the question. When is the last time you led someone to the Lord? Now, I thought about this, and I, was, and I really kind of debated, and we're not going to do this, so don't get freaked out. But I was thinking about asking those that have led someone to the Lord in the last five days to stand or in the last three weeks or in the last quarter of the year or the last year or ever if you've ever led someone to the Lord. And I don't think that was the right move. But where your boldness paid off, where your, the message made a difference. And then I realized I would have a hard time thinking back, saying, okay, when's the last time outside of the church or outside of a hospital situation uh, where I'm leading someone to the Lord? And I want you to know, I am convicted by this thought. I am challenged deeply by this idea that if I'm bold and I have a good message from Scripture, that there should be converts in my life. I want my life to count, and I know you do too. And I want my life to be lived on purpose. For me, it goes back to the boldness piece. I know what to say, um, but it, sometimes I'm not bold. I'm not, I don't take that extra step when I'm around unbelievers. And I pray, God, give me eyes to see, ears to hear. Give me boldness to share. A few weeks uh, in the last few weeks, I've seen great examples of boldness. First service, there was a lady in our service. Um, 
um, who had great courage, and she, put, she called Pastor Bobby and me in to, to work with her brother-in-law that was in the hospital in a real dicey situation. And her testimony, along with uh, us kind of sharing scripture, we led the guy to the Lord. I don't credit that to me. I credit that to, to his sister-in-law. And that, that, was, that was, she did the hard work. She was bold. She brought the message through Pastor Bobby and me. And the Lord honored it, and it was incredible. Wasn't that awesome? I mean, it, was, it was a highlight of our, of our, I think it was the end of June, or maybe the beginning of July, I don't remember. But it was awesome. And even just yesterday, at a funeral, we were, I was at a funeral. Later, uh, one of the family members contacted me and said, I got a chance to share and pray, and they were bold again, and I, that really blessed me. And, uh, and just thinking, like, wow, I see people doing these things. For me, what prompted in me is I need to be more bold. For you, it might be that you need to learn God's word. Maybe it's the message. You're saying, man, I don't know what I would say. Well, listen, you need to study God's word. You need to get to know the word of God so you have something to say. Because the questions that we're wrestling with here is, are our lives making a difference? Are our lives fruitful? Or is there little or no effect? In reality, some Christians go through their entire life making little or no difference at all. And I know that's hard to say, but it's true. I don't want to dis, uh, discount what happens within the home. If you're raising kids, your priority is to reach your kids, to share the gospel, and uh, to keep that as a priority, um, to do that. But don't stay just there. It's not a us for and no more mentality. Uh, we've got to get out, and even beyond our family, yes, our family first, but uh, beyond that, we've got to reach one more. And so we talk about this. There's one more, one more thing, and then we'll get to the why. If our lives are to be lived on purpose, we need to be bold. We've got to have a message. There will be converts. We also see in these 15 verses that there's going to be opposition. And that's the story of the book of Acts. I feel like a broken record, like every time we preach, there's going to be opposition, there's going to be opposition. Well, let's just look at it here just for a second. Verse 5 through 9, we see the opposition here in Thessalonica. It says, some Jews were jealous. They rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started to riot in the city. I mean, it was some severe opposition. They're dragging Jason out and making him pay to let him go. In Berea, the same thing, same idea. Verse 13 says, When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word in Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowd and stirring them up. There was opposition no matter where they turned. It was a bad deal. And I just want to say that if we are going to change the world, if we're going to live on purpose, we've got to settle something in our minds right here, right now. If you haven't settled this in your heart, you need to, that there will be opposition when we live on purpose. We need to settle it. When you share the good news, I should say, yeah, when you share or when I share, there are going to be some people that are going to love it and respond quickly. There will be others that are just going to hate it and are going to drag their feet. But don't be surprised if those who hate it 
hate youth sharing become the best converts. I've seen it over and over. How do we apply this? Let me ask you the question. Is it worth the conflict in your life? Is it worth the opposition to reach one more? Is it worth the abuse? Is it worth the isolation? Is it worth the rejection? Is it worth your reputation in order to get the word of God out and to make a difference? See, what we're talking about is moving from no or little effect, moving the needle to great effectiveness, to changing the world, to turning the world upside down, to living on purpose. And you say, well, what's the big idea behind that, the big question? What's the motivation in what it is? And what's the why behind it all? And I'm talking about why was Paul and Silas, uh, why did they never give up? Why did they continue to risk their lives and even give their lives? Why didn't they lose hope? Why didn't they go back to whatever they were doing before, fishing or, or accounting or whatever the case might be, right? Or maybe the better question is, is why would you or why would we go through all of this in the opposition well, the answer is found in the story as you study the book of First and Second Thessalonians. I, it's really amazing. I already mentioned that you can kind of overlay the two, Acts 17, with First and Second Thessalonians. And uh, in First Thessalonians chapter 2, um, we see Paul, his concern for the people. We see his care for the people. In fact, I want you to turn with me there. First Thessalonians chapter 2. There's quite a bit we could read. I just pulled out a couple of verses here that kind of give us a snapshot. Uh, verse 7 says, Instead, we were like young children among you. And this is the point I want to bring. It says, Just as a nursing mother cares for her children. Just think of how tender this is. It says, So we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you and not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. They loved deeply. It was love. And in all of Paul's letters, we see a similar idea. How do we apply this? The bottom line is you have to care for people if you're going to change the world. It starts with a care. That, I mean, God was the perfect example. He sent his own son, John 3, 16. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus. It's the why, when answered, that will turn our world upside down. It's our care for people in our lives, in our family. It's our care for the people on the lakeshore. It's not a program. It's not a service. It's not some, you know, a giveaway, although we've, we're excited about our backpack drive that's coming up and our um, uh, stock up giveaway with that. It's not even a building. We're building a building a couple miles from here, as many of you know. That's not going to change the world. What's going to change the world, what's going to turn the world upside down is each of us caring, each of us loving our family members well, our neighbors, our co-workers, our employees, in loving them enough to be bold, to share a message, <coughs> to see them get saved, even in the 
with the opposition. Church, it's love. It's love that makes the difference. It's love that will drive you to do those things. And with that, we pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, help us, help our love to grow. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful for this morning that you're getting a hold of our hearts and our lives. And Lord, I'm thankful, God, that you have a plan for each of us. We've seen that as we've studied the book of Acts. And Lord, you've called us to live on purpose. And in order to do that, we've got to be bold. We've got to have a message. We've got to see people saved, even in the face of opposition. And God, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts and our minds in these next few moments. Lord, to strengthen us, to move the needle from no effect or little effect to great effectiveness. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. With your head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to talk about the love that the Lord has for us, for you. The Bible says that we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That none of us are righteous. None of us can make it on our own. Each of us need a Savior. And the beautiful thing is that God provided that Savior for us. His name is Jesus he is the Messiah, just like Paul was saying in Acts 17. And he's the one, he's the Savior that can forgive you of your sins. He's the one that comes in your life and changes everything, like we sang earlier. And if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we want to offer you the free gift of salvation the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us of, from all unrighteousness. If you're here and you're saying, man, I need to do that. I need, to, I need a Savior. I need Jesus to save me. Would you just lift up your hand right where you are? I'm going to pray for you. Okay. Yep. Got one over here. Anybody else? Who else this morning? Say, yep, that's me. I need Jesus to save me. Just take a second. If the Holy Spirit's working on your life, I want to just encourage you to respond. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out, but if you're here and you need the Lord to save you. As far as I could tell, maybe a rededication and then another lady to raise her hand. And for the sake of the one or the two, just going to encourage you, would you pray a prayer with me? Uh, repeat these words after me. It's not the words of the prayer that save us. It's really believing. It's the confessing of our mouth that, that Jesus is Lord and asking the Lord to forgive us that makes a difference. Let's do that together, all together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. And I'm praying right now that you would save me, that you would take away my sin and make my heart clean. I believe that you died on the cross and you did it for me. And right now, I'm coming to you. Fill my life. Put me on the right path. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we rejoice in
with the angels in heaven for what God has done and for the, for the one. Amen. Praise the Lord. We'll follow up here in just a moment. But I want everyone that's here, I want to come back to the topic at hand. We've talked about moving the needle from no effect or little effect as a believer to great effectiveness. And if you're saying this morning, Pastor, I want the needle to move in my life so I can reach one more, so I can make an impact, so I can turn my world upside down. I want you just to stand right where you are. And that might take some boldness. It may take you learning the message, learning scripture about more. It may take you saying, hey, uh, I need to make the ask and see more converts, see more people come to the Lord. Even in the face of great opposition, I'm willing, I want that needle to move. And we want to pray for us. I said first service that uh, every single week, it's our heart and our prayer that we would see at least one person each service come to know the Lord. And this morning, second service, that was the case, which is exciting. But would you help us? Uh, Pastor Bobby, I'm not sure if you said it's second service, or, uh, but, but you, we've got an opportunity before the end of the summer. Bring a family member or a loved one or a neighbor. Invite someone to church that doesn't know the Lord and let the Holy Spirit work on their life. How many can do that? That's moving the needle. If you're saying, man, I don't really hang around unbelievers all that much. I'm in the same boat. I need to be around unbelievers more. And I need to let my words make a difference. I need to be more bold when I am. I don't know what it is that challenged you, but to move that needle, saying, all right, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to get busy. I'm going to see God change and that my life is going to make a difference. I want to pray for us that as we leave here that God would help us to do just that. So let's just pray together and then we're going to end the service in a unique way praying for our students here in a second. But Lord, I just pray right here, right now. Lord, for those of us that are standing, God, that you would just inject us with Holy Spirit boldness. Lord, that we would be ready to share the message even when there's opposition. And God, I'm praying that we, as your people, would be committed to pray for and to reach our one, to reach one more, to not be satisfied with an us for and no more. But Lord, what happens outside of these four walls, God, the rest of the week, God, it would impact your kingdom. God, give us opportunity Give us your eyes to see, your ears to hear. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, God bless you. Go in the grace of God. You can turn and greet someone as you leave. Thank you for being here. We love you very, very much. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.